Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Welcome to Driven Radio, your weekly car hangout and escape from bad news. Yay! Uh, oh, God, we, and we all need it. I'm your host, Brett Hatfield. I'm here with our intrepid engineer and co-host, Catfish Groves. Yo! And Mr. Corey Pratt of Craving Cars on YouTube. Hey, that's me. Uh, we're coming to you via the interwebs because, you know, you just can't get near anybody anymore. <laughs> don't, uh, don't touch me. Not touchy. Uh, yeah, well, no touchy is <laughs> no really touchy, important touchy. now. Yep. But uh, thanks to uh, technology, we're able to... We can even see each other. Isn't that pleasant? Hey. Well, oh, yeah. or maybe, maybe not so much. It's all about the camera angle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd have to put mine outside my office to get a good angle on this deal. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, tell your friends. If there's something you'll want to hear more of, please tell us. Uh, this week, we've got news of some new colors and features coming for the two. 2021 Corvette delays for several GM products. Covercraft is making protective equipment for healthcare workers and first responders. And RM Sotheby's uh, has found a little bit of success with their first online only auction. And a great new documentary about Formula One uh, legend uh, Juan Manuel Fangio is on Netflix. And I've started to watch that. And it looks like it's going to be very much worth the time. Our special guest this week is Ed Bolian. He's the founder of Denwiki. Ed will be here to talk to us about uh, the new series Car Track that he did with uh, uh, Freddie Hernandez, also known as Tavarish, and with Tyler Hoover. And uh, Ed and his wife have a brand new baby. And uh, we'll also be talking to him about the uh, unbelievable success of Denwiki and his predictions for what the collector car market looks like. Uh, we got a lot of news to cover, so let's get to it. Uh, the C8 Corvette is reportedly getting a couple new colors for 2021. Chevrolet's already been prepping to launch the next model year of the, of the C8. Uh, orders for the 2020 car have already been halted, and allocations for the 21 oh, model year will be starting in late May. Now, uh, on that 2020, okay, so they stopped making 2020s already, and it's 2020 right now. It's like freaking March, uh, April, sorry, uh, April 2020. And they filled them out. Oh. Allocation's done. Oh, okay. It's so it's not like they just cut it off, and suddenly nope. you're going to have this tiny, tiny number of uh, Corvettes no, that are going to be worth them. a huge amount of money. Uh, everything's already spoken for. In oh, fact, wow. I've spent hours since I'm at home and I can't go anyplace. <laughs> spent hours looking around trying to find Carport. a gear that's that's got one that isn't spoken for. Yeah, and. Uh, the sales I'm finding are almost entirely people who have already taken delivery and they're trying to flip them. Oh, they're doing a John Cena Mustang yeah. thing. Just wham, take it back. Yeah, except uh, without the legal entanglement <laughs> on the backside. Without the lawsuit. Yeah, that's all good. Because yeah. did, didn't have the gall to tell people, you can't sell this. Uh, <laughs> nice. 
uh, according to the C8 owners Facebook group, of which I am a part, uh, leaked official dealer documents. Uh, that page leaked official dealer documents outlining changes coming to the 2021 model year. Uh, the information came from Global Connect Order Workbench, which is a dealership software used for ordering cars. There will be two new colors, uh, red mist tint coat and silver flare, and those will be replacing the Long Beach red and the blade silver. So, so they're uh, replacing the red and the, and the silver with red and silver. Really? Yeah, different, different shades. Really? You know, the, uh, the Long Beach red, I wasn't real excited about the blade silver. Eh, it's silver. Uh, <laughs> it's- magnetic ride control will be a standalone option for 2021. Previously, you can only get it as part of the Z51 package. Uh, wireless, oh, cool. car, wireless car play will be made standard across the lineup. What is wireless uh, car play? Oh, it's like Apple Play or Connect. Yeah, or, you just you don't so got I just, a USB. Up I just to it. totally highlighted the most boring thing. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> score it, it, for for those of us who have cars that don't have that. When you drive something newer and it does have that, that's pretty cool. Okay. Yes. Okay. You nice. know, uh, you don't you don't find that in your classic cars. You sure as hell don't find it in my twenty one year old Navigator. I had a Philco. So, yeah, no, <laughs> kid, no kidding. Uh, there, there's a Stingray R graphics package listed as part of the order uh, uh, form, but it doesn't explain what that is. Uh, hmm. There's some speculation that it could be dupli- duplicating the C8 race car. I, I don't know. I'm not sure I'd want to drive a car with that much stuff on it. There will be a handful of cosmetic changes uh, listed that were listed on the document as well, including new available stripe patterns and colors. It doesn't mean, um, uh, it, there's a really foul joke I've got about that, but I'll explain it later. You know, some things are so good. It doesn't need to be improved upon. Just leave it alone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. New interior designs for the three LT trim level, which is the top trim level and available carbon fiber exterior pieces. A GM spokesperson, did not confirm any of the above details, saying the brand would share more info as the 2021's May launch approaches. Wow, so, so in a month. We've got a list of stuff, but we don't know what it means. <laughs> well, we got a bunch of we got a bunch of uh, stuff on there that looks like it's coming, but nobody will confirm or deny. Is there gonna be the Corvette Mach uh, E? Is there gonna the be a Corvette Mach E? Uh, an electric? No, no, no. no. Oh, <laughs> quiet, Mark. Well, GM a is four-door not Corvette. Sully the, <laughs> not going to sully the brand that way. They're not going to, you know, issue a Corvette shopping cart or any of that. Crap. Okay, very nice. <laughs> That's so, always good. You know, uh, I, no, I may just, but not. I do love them. They look wonderful. Yes, they do. Uh, Multiple GM products, including the Corvette variant, as we're talking about here, or other variants that possibly may be of, of light that we've been that Brett and I have really been waiting on will be delayed due to I don't know this thing called a coronavirus. Cor- Cor- I don't know if you guys Cor- know what that is. Uh, if you'd quit drinking that Mexican beer, we wouldn't have this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Road and Track says the uh, coronavirus continues to spread. The U.S. auto industry is forced to find new ways to navigate through this difficult time. So, according to the report from Detroit News, GM is directly is basically directing suppliers to stop preparing for the planned changes to the Chevy Silverado 1500, the Chevy Bolt, the Camaro, the Traverse, the Equinox, the GMC Sierra 1500 as well, and the GMC Terrain. Uh, 
you know, a pretty good list of things that yeah, they were trying to prepare to change, and now they are halting change. So. Well, yeah, but if you've been watching the news, you know that GM and Ford have both stopped producing everything, and they're starting to produce uh, masks and ventilators. Ventilators, yeah, uh, for all the yeah, hospitals. I knew the Ford, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, well, you shift production from one thing to another, you're going to just tell everybody to quit making the crap you had coming. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, Chevy will delay a future variant of the Chevrolet Corvette that was not slotted for 2020, which probably mean what that might be. Uh, uh, you know what that's going to be, the, the way they've done things past couple generations, that means Z06, baby. Yeah, some, yeah, right. And and that's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cry here if I finish reading this probably. Uh, Chevy spokesperson <laughs> confirmed that this delay will not change deliveries of current release Corvette models. Communications recently made to suppliers uh, does affect any time related, um, does not, I'm sorry, does not affect any time re- uh, related to the 2020 or 2021 Corvette Stingray Coupe and convertible, says, well, somebody from GM. Basically, the Corvette is, is currently offered in their base or Z51 versions with the convertible and target body styles. So, of course, that's minus anything that we're going to get, supposedly should have gotten soon. It's unclear whether that delay to vary it might what it might be although like we just said more than likely probably a z06 or zr1 or or something of that sort i wouldn't think not necessarily a grand sport because those usually come towards the end of the model year for some reason yeah um of course z06 typically launches first so like you and i are betting that's probably what it would have been uh, there are rumors for uh, a forthcoming hybrid uh <laughs> well, an official word of that pedal yes. power baby well, you, yeah. But when they do a hybrid, it won't be for mileage. <laughs> no, oh, true that. No, yeah. no. It'll be an but, eight thousand you know, horsepower like, like hybrid. The NSX, for instance, um, I thought that was a pretty good hybrid. I mean, you know, when you get into those super yeah. ridiculous cars, you know, the nine eighteen Spider and things like that. I mean, those. Yeah, the it's showing you what a hybrid could really be, and that's what the Corvette might actually end up being something that cool. Yeah, um, providing they do something like that, I don't know. Um, but tying up the Silverado Sierra. Equinox and Corvette in the Capitol crunch shows the severity of the situation. GM is freezing updates to some of its most important cars, which pretty much is everything I've named is the only cars Mm -hmm. they really make of any, you know, whatever. Um, Redesigned products like the Tahoe, Yukon, and Escalade should be launching on schedule. Yay. Uh, GM's upcoming Hummer EV. um, Is it, is it like, like red? No, lyrics. (laughs) Because it's a stretch to be able to buy that damn thing. That's how, that's how much I'm caring about this. The Lyric EV. Okay, so upcoming Hummer EV, Lyric EV, and the ultimate battery development timeline is currently unchanged. Blah, blah, blah. So, oh, Greg, crap, just so blah. you know, the, uh, the the new EVs coming out are going to be on schedule. Yeah, yeah well, baby. Great. Like I said, gas is going to be under a buck a gallon, and I care. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, the soft side. Uh, Covercraft is going to start producing some personal protective equipment. Covercraft that does the the big thick car covers. They're out of Oklahoma, yeah. and these cats are going to start. Uh, they're going to switch it over. They're you know same as uh, Chevy and Ford, and start making stuff that's going to help along with uh, the the current situation that we have. They're Good on them. Oh, it's awesome. They're going to be making urgently needed uh, personal protective equipment, PPEs, mainly gowns and masks for healthcare workers and first responders that are right there at the front line of the coronavirus pandemic. 
Did you see that that clip uh, today that was showing all the layers that doctor was putting on before he went in to work for the day? Isn't it amazing? I did not. So much. He, he put on adhesive pads under his eyes and along his nose for the first mask and his glasses to rest on. And then was like four layers deep with other stuff covering his body and his face before he was done. You know, wow. and that's, that's going into work. And every time you have to go see a patient, you have to do something different. Yeah. It's whew, dudes. It, oh, I would, that's uh, amazing. you know, we got nothing but props to our, uh, our first responders and all of our oh, doctors boy. and nurses out there that are doing this for us. Now, Covercraft's expertise in working with this is according to Clay Allen, the president and CEO of Covercraft Industries. Our expertise in working with non-woven specialty fabrics has allowed us to pivot our operations in the U.S. from crafting car covers, seat covers, and windshield sunscreens to helping provide hospitals and first responders with PPEs incredibly fast. Orders are going to begin shipping like they're, they're already shipping. And he, according to him, he said, we felt it was our duty to step in and help our country in this time of need, which, you know, lends us to realize that he wasn't ordered to by any governmental agency. They, no, well, but good on them. Groups or organizations in need of these PPE products should contact Covercraft. You can call them. They have a, they got their phone number listed, 405-367-8930, and email at Covercraft PPE at covercraft.com. I, that is, I think that's the coolest thing possible. Good on them. Amen. Uh, and, and that'll be, I'll, I'll look at what Covercraft does in the future to see if there's anything they make I could buy. Yeah. That would be really, really cool. You'd be kicking uh, in one of those gowns. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> not quite what I had in mind there, Bubba. I would like it in black vinyl. Hello, uh-huh. Mark. We know we know what to put on his birthday list. Absolutely, oh. <laughs> car cover, matching Great. gown, <laughs> black vinyl. Oh, oh, that's just creepy to think about. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, please get me away from that. RM Sotheby's uh, shifted gears and went with a completely online sale for their Palm Beach auction and cleared thirteen point seven million dollars online. Uh, they successfully completed the first catalog sale to be offered via the online only digital platform uh, just this past week. It had a presentation of uh, 259 motor cars and 21 lots of memorabilia. And they opened bidding on March 20th and it ran uh, with lots closing in a staggered format through the 20, the 25th through the 28th, which means it was almost akin to eBay uh, right. the, the kind of auctions they run, except with uh, you know much much more exclusive uh, uh, items up for sale. Uh, online auction totaled thirteen point seven million in sales with a sell through rate of sixty nine percent. That's not bad. Whoa, that's really great. Um, Sotheby saw an unprecedented level of interest in its online platform with nearly 900 registered bidders, 23% more than the average number of registered bidders at live uh, South Florida auctions in the past. Uh, Bidders participated from 44 countries with 36% bidding with RM Sotheby's for the first time. Also, another really cool stat. Over the course of the auction, there were more than 615,000 page views and uh, just through RM Sotheby's website alone. 
the Palm Beach auction was originally set to be held at the Palm Beach International Raceway uh, March 20th through the 21st, but Sotheby's made the decision to transition the auction to its online-only platform fewer than 10 days oh before the start of the God. auction. God, yeah. that's some tech well, guys that didn't sleep, tech people. Yeah, guys, but you know how fast the news has been chasing, changing here for the last <laughs> month. something new every day, so... Uh, the online auction sales saw lively bidding accelerated to as each lot ended uh, its closing time with uh, a lot of the lots extended up to 30 minutes. It, apparently, uh, if they had a very last second bid on the item, it would extend it another 30 minutes. Oh, so, you know, that's, uh, that's harsh. <laughs> well, that screws you bid snipers out there. I know, exactly. That's what I was thinking of. That last second, you're sitting there with your finger hovering over the you know enter button, just waiting, waiting, waiting. Oh, hey, I'm guilty. I've done that stuff before. <laughs> In fact, there used to be a website called Bid Sniper, oh. where you would go put your eBay item in, and you would put in your max bid, and it would proxy bid for you in the last couple seconds. And I think eBay finally uh, set up their... their uh, I don't, I don't know. They may have set up their uh, software so that it doesn't allow you to do that anymore. I haven't done it in a long time. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, all the cars were represented with comprehensive photography, as you would want them to be on items like this, as well as condition reports uh, completed by RM Sotheby specialists. Um, 259 cars, led by a pair of supercars, a 1996 Porsche 911 GT2. It was a pristine, unmodified example, and one of 194. It sold for $891,000. I also had a McLaren, a McLaren Senna in virtually new condition, and that brought uh, $847,000. A 1963 wow. Shelby uh, 289 Cobra slab side was among the top American makes and the third highest of the auction, and it went for 682 Good job on you, RM. <laughs> yeah, uh, so... Yeah, so the GT2 actually went for way more than originally sold for, and the McLaren oh, yeah. Senna went for less. Well, yeah, but uh, the Senna hasn't had time to really uh, age like fine wine. I'm guessing. Will, I'm guessing down the road, twenty years, those might be bringing a little bit more than they are right now. Very, very possible. So I think whoever bought the Senna got a good deal. Whoever bought the GT2, well, just has a really cool car too. So. Well, uh, and, and again, down the road, that may prove to be a good deal. Uh, time will tell. Yeah, you never can tell. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Juan Manuel Fangio Movie Chronicles, greatest Formula One driver of all time. Okay. Car and Driver says uh, that if Ford versus Ferrari movie whetted your appetite for racing history, well, this documentary on Netflix is what you should see next. Um, it is called A Life of Speed, the Juan Manuel Fangio's story. It is a new Netflix documentary that traces his life to becoming arguably the best driver in Formula One history. Fangio won five world championships with four different manufacturers, including Maserati and Mercedes-Benz, between 1951 to 1957. I don't think anybody else has, ever, has done that. Uh, no, I don't believe so either. Not, not to the extent, but you also got to think racing back then is a lot different than the racing is now. It is. Uh, as far as what, what you had to be able to do with your car. Uh, the documentary chronicles um, his racing career through a mix of archival footage, past and present interviews, and some reenactment scenes. 
Uh, Fangio is arguably the best racing, like I said, uh, Formula One driver ever known with one of the highest winning percentages in the sport's history. So up to today, the F1 legends, including Arrington Senna and Sir Jackie Stewart, have called Fangio the greatest driver of all time. And those two guys aren't exactly chumps. No, Stewart, uh, for Stewart to say that, that has a lot of weight. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Fangio is getting uh, the mainstream exposure he deserves. I'm surprised it wasn't done sooner. Uh, but in this documentary on Netflix called, like I said, A Life of Speed, the Juan Manuel Fangio story. I believe, Brett, you started watching this already, correct? Yeah, I have. Um, I, I I got called away from the from the TV, and I didn't get to finish it yet, but uh, it's on my list. Uh, it is on my list to be the very next movie I watch, or documentary, whatever, same difference, yep. uh, that I will watch. If I don't watch it tonight, it will be watched tomorrow. Uh, see, while the documentary focuses on Fangio's story, uh, there's also plenty of racing fans, or plenty for racing fans to learn um, from all the uh, formative years of Formula One, which is uh, which held its inaugural season in 1950. Uh, the achievements of this this something you're gonna like here, Brett. The achievements in his racing career continue to be impressive to this day. Like I said, the documentary states that in 51 races he won 24 at 35 podiums. 29 poles and 23 fast laps. Jeez. And that's ridiculous. <laughs> he basically won 50% of his races almost. Like, who does that? Nobody. Uh, that is yeah, 500. Nobody. Yeah. Fangio was able to uh, constantly perform at the highest level while driving the four different manufacturers of his career. This is a remarkable feat uh, that is just something that this sport may never see again. And I think the only other person that probably could have done this kind of record, but unfortunately he died before he uh, died before his time was Jim Clark. Jim Clark. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. He uh, was on, uh, he was on that pace to do quite that well. Probably well, maybe give or take, but uh, pretty, uh, re- pretty but remarkable anyways. stats for that. Yes. Uh, I, absolutely. Yeah, I want to get back and finish that movie. Our, uh, our special guest this week is Ed Bullion. He's the founder of VinWiki. Ed will be with us to talk about uh, a series he did with uh, Tavares and Tyler Hooper called Car Trek. He's got a brand new baby and uh, also going to be talking to him about the startling success of VinWiki and his predictions for the future of the collector car market. All this and much more is coming up on Driven Radio. part of driven radio show you know we get to talk to some of the coolest people that do really cool car stuff and recently we've had chances to talk with uh tim mccarthy from hush Mat. and it's a it's a local company here in olathe and they do some of the coolest stuff for being able to what uh you know make your car a little quieter or a lot quieter and also to keep the heat from cooking your feet and you guys you guys have had experience with it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Rhonda and I uh, redid the interior on a 92 Corvette convertible she had, and we lined it with hush mat when we did it, and that made a huge difference, cutting down on the sound in that car. And those, uh, those fourth-gen Corvettes also have a fair amount of heat that comes up through the transmission tunnel on them, and it, it made a world of difference in that car uh, it was so much quieter and so much more pleasant to spend time in. So you were able to like oh, yeah. have a conversation a without sweating. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
able to have a conversation without uh, shouting at the top of your lungs and also able to drive the thing on long trips without having to take airplanes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and how about you, Corey? You've had experience with Hushmat, too. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, it, it was, it's kind of like one of those things, so I, you know, I had, I didn't have as cool as a car as a Corvette, but I had a <laughs> Nissan, of course, and it, it's like the panels in that car just seemed hollow, and so noise transferred really well through the car, which you don't want that when you went to quiet. And I lined it through the trunk and then the doors, and it was amazing even how much more solid the doors felt when they shut. You know, if you were to knock on the actual, like, sheet metal on the outside of the car, it actually sounded like it had some thickness to it. And for the ones who like to put stereo systems in the car, it really helps emphasize the sound a heck of a lot better without rattling your car apart. Oh, really, really cool stuff. You know, there is that because uh, I've heard the difference between a car door, not mine, obviously, because I'm still looking for my unicorn, <laughs> but a car door slammed with it and without it. And it is really surprising how with some hush mat lined into that car door, it's quieter. It sounds cooler. Uh, and hey, right now, if you go to hushmat.com, uh, they have a promo code called USA Made. You can save 25% off and get free shipping on all Hushmat products. We're going to have to have a. Uh, oh, dude. We're going to have to have Tim McCarthy on at some point because I really want to peg him. You know, I, I like all the weird old cars. You guys like really cool old cars. And between the three of us, I'm sure that we're going to be able to find a way to uh, find a car that he can't do. They have what? What was it at last count? 350,000 different They've vehicles. Got it. Oh, God. Free shipping almost makes me wish I lived farther away. <laughs> just, to, just to know I got my money's worth. <laughs> just right. take advantage. So that's hushmat.com, uh, American made, and uh, promo code USA made when you go onto their website. You'll get 25% off and free shipping on all, all Hushmat products. Stop on by. We've got two people here of the three in the show who have had direct experience and love the stuff, and you will too. So go check out Hushmat. We'll use anything else. Segment two of Driven Radio Show is coming up next. Hey, welcome back to Driven Radio. Our guest this week is Ed Bolian. Uh, Ed lives in Georgia with his wife, his son, a brand new baby. Did you have a boy or a girl? A girl this time. Yay! Okay, so a son and a daughter and a boa constrictor. <laughs> I know. Uh, Ed's, I can't believe you did this. Ed started an exotic car rental company out of his dorm room at Georgia Tech in 2006 <laughs> and went on to become the director of sales at Lamborghini Atlanta. Uh, Ed's a former U.S. Express Cannonball Run record holder and a noted traffic scofflaw. He's uh, He loves buying the worst examples of exotic cars. I haven't figured that one out. That seems like begging for trouble. Uh, in 2016, he started VinWiki, a social vehicle history reporting platform, much like a crowdsourced version of Carfax. Ed has grown its marketing arm, a YouTube channel where he and friends tell car stories to an audience of over a a million subscribers, and here's the number that got me, well over 300 million views. Wow. Good Lord. Uh, recently, Ed, along with fellow YouTubers, uh, Freddie Tavares-Hernandez and Tyler Hoover, filmed a series called Car Track, 
where the three of uh, embark on uh, road trips to on a road trip to Amelia Island when three very questionable exotics participating in various challenges <laughs> along the way. Ed, welcome back to Driven Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, congratulations on the new baby. How is everyone? You know, we're, uh, we're two weeks into it, and uh, it's been a very interesting time. I didn't expect the entire world to take paternity leave with me, but it's a, it's a very nice <laughs> And uh, I'm definitely appreciating not being the only one that's less productive than usual lately. Uh, did your wife let you do a car theme in the nursery? You know, we, uh, we took some uh, car-related pictures with our son. For the daughter, everything is pink, and I have not convinced uh, her that we need a pink Lamborghini yet. So maybe <laughs> well, it's you can always wrap the one you got. <laughs> yeah, there That's you right. go. Uh, right. Unbelievable what you've done with VinWiki. Congratulations on your success. Uh, crossing the million mem- uh, subscriber mark. Uh, was Super that right cool. before the end of the year? It was, yeah. I think it was on uh, December 31st. I, I never, ever would have imagined. It was all uh, totally a series of happy accidents in the creation of the app and then in this becoming the marketing arm. We just, uh, I actually had a bunch of friends that made YouTube videos for a living, and I thought, hey, you know, they would be useful evangelists for the VinWiki app concept, <laughs> so I would let them borrow my cars, do reviews, and then talk about it. And that worked really, really well to get new users, but I never expected it to kind of become its own thing. And so I, uh, I, when we, we had this idea of just sitting around and telling our best car stories. And I thought I would just give one of them the content and they would just release it on their channel. I never expected to be able to develop an audience of my own. I was like, well, we'll just try it. And so, but all of them said no, because the analytics that you get back from YouTube are very descriptive rather than prescriptive. And the only kind of logical deduction from what you learn there is whether you should just keep doing what you've been doing. And so if there's any level of success in any audience, nobody wants to change anything. And so they all said no. But uh, (laughs) we just did it on our own channel, and it grew like crazy. Nice. Uh, Aside from the raw numbers, what's been the single most surprising thing about VanWiki? You know, to me, uh, the, from an app perspective, we love the crazy things that people learn about cars every day. And, you know, early on, it was less often. But now I get messages all the time of somebody who learned like a, a strange previous use of their car or some sort of, you know, it was in this rental fleet or in this accident or used in this movie or don't, whatever happens to it. This is kind of a way to crowdsource those events and add them to the history of the car. So that's what I love. And all the VinWiki car stories are kind of a blown-up version of each of those things. And so we always love finding out where the cars end up, and we've had users come together to locate stolen cars and all sorts of fun stuff. Aside from the Kimmy story, (laughs) what is your favorite VinWiki story? I think my favorite one is the one where we found uh, two stolen Lamborghinis that were about three miles from my house. Uh, They had been... Yeah, this guy, had, oh. a lot of times when exotic cars are stolen, it's not like Grand Theft Auto, Memphis Reigns, Gone in 60 Seconds sort of stuff. It's it's really like a fraudulent misrepresentation or misappropriation of the car. And so in this case, it was about, I think it was in 2011 or 12, these two 2008 Gallardo Spider, a Gallardo Spider and a Superleggera had been kind of illegitimately sold without paying off the liens. And uh, I happened to cross one of them in a Target parking lot and a bunch of the users kind of came together to figure out what the car actually was. We went, we ran all the car faxes of all of the orange 2008 Superleggeras in the U.S. because somebody had made a list of those and got together with some you know different people that knew different things and eventually learned that it was, in fact, a VIN-swapped car. 
and we were able to get it back to the owner. Oh, wow. Nice. For the uninitiated, uh, and one of them is, is Mark, can you give us a quick thumbnail of the Kimmy story? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's, it's actually starting to get more and more interesting because I, I, when we recorded the first car stories, we did them all in one day. And okay. so we shot about 25 videos in a day, and about 10 of them were my stories. And w- the last one that I recorded was a story about a time in 2011 when I bought a 2004 Lamborghini Gallardo from a local prostitute. And uh, <laughs> I vaguely it, remember I that was, story last time you were on. That was a uh, that was quite the tale. <laughs> well, it, it's it is uh, it has got me a bunch of free drinks. But I uh, <laughs> I recently found out that although she is currently in prison, she is oh. well aware of my internet <laughs> tales of her uh, past automotive and otherwise indiscretions, and she's. Uh, She's actually kind of excited about it, and she wants to find a way to come on and tell her side of it. I'll bet. I am beyond <laughs> thrilled to indulge. Oh, if there's uh, any I'll way bet. we can help. <laughs> I'm, Please, I'm yes. working on it. The problem is, the same time all this happens, there's a darn viral outbreak, and now we can't get into – because, I mean, like, if you can interview a serial killer, i got to be able to interview a prostitute in a jail cell so, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, like, this has to be something to do. Much better than yeah. just a recorded phone call, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I, uh, and I have learned that although she hasn't explained what she likes it to be called, I guess she doesn't like the word prostitutes. We're going to find something. I don't know if it's escort or what. There, there I, you go. Previous Lamborghini owner. Personal <laughs> entertainment. Yes. Exotic worker. I, I guess. I guess. Uh, but uh, but she's in good spirits and uh, eligible for parole soon. So there may be some free Kimmy shirts for sale on the website. So look out for those. Oh, I love it. A pink Benwicky shirt with Kimmy blazing across the front. I mean, your cars and coffee has never seen it coming. Yeah. Oh, wow. We're, we're talking to uh, Ed Bullion, uh, founder of Ben Wiki, and uh, one of the the, uh, the trio of individuals responsible for the new Car Trek series. Um, how did the idea for Car Trek evolve? Last December, uh, me and Freddie Tavares were sitting around my fire and just kind of talking about different things we were doing with YouTube and all the amazing opportunities that it's created for us so far. And I asked him, I said, have you ever thought about trying to do like a top gear cheap car style challenge because i mean obviously we all grew up in the heyday the prime days of top gear and we mm-hmm. we just fell in love with the the notion of being jeremy clarkson or being james may being richard hammond just whatever we could do to attach ourselves to that idea of automotive use and I, he said no no we could never pull that off i mean it's such high production quality and all these things and i'm like look we've got amazing sponsors we've been able to pull off some amazing view counts on certain videos and we could probably Put together something that makes sense and so we just started making some calls and it turned out auto tempest which is kind of a search aggregator their motto is all the cars one search they wanted to find some new kind of content marketing strategies and so they were game to, to help us with a production budget and it uh, it became a thing and so we knew we all had to be in amelia island for the concord because we were judging this like dream car class and giving out like a car that would get the most views on youtube award because they're trying to obviously appeal to a much younger demographic. And so we're like, well, that would be a perfect finish line. And we knew that at that point, the whole internet was going to be alight with early deliveries of the new C8 Corvette. And none of us were that interested in getting a new C8 Corvette. So we thought maybe we could try to find like the best alternatives. 
And if we're going to be buying old exotic cars and kind of making them a little bit better if we don't destroy them, it's a pretty easy thing to get in and out of. And we thought, oh, we'll probably be able to sell them at the end of it and not lose our shirts. And so we uh, started looking for different things. And I happened to find a 2006 Lamborghini Gallardo Spider with a gated manual transmission that had Ooh. unfortunately been in a flood in April of 2019 in Santa Monica, but uh, fit the budget. So $59,000. <laughs> and so I uh, made a sight unseen offer and just had to have it and, and got it in. And it turned out to be a whole lot different than it was described to be, oh. but it, uh, it, it was definitely entertaining to watch it continually and continually break. <laughs> So, at the time we're recording this, we haven't seen the whole series yet. It's complete, but it hasn't all been released. Correct. Four uh, episodes are live. Episode five's out in the morning. Oh, there's a fourth one out. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I need to catch number four. Uh, can you give us a peek into how things wrap up without giving too much away? <laughs> sure. Uh, Tyler Hoover bought a 2002 Ferrari 360 Spider with the F1 gearbox and a miserably malfunctioning top that generally didn't want to go into reverse. And he spent almost all the clutch at the drag strip that was remaining. Uh, Freddie went well beyond the budget because he had to buy an Aston Martin with a V12 and he didn't like a Virage or a DB9. So he bought a V12 Vantage S for 69 grand. So went well beyond it. But again, I, I can't really throw stones because the car that I got was supposed to be like a pretty solid running and driving car, but mm-hmm. it was in fact a non-rebuilt salvage. And so came to Georgia, it still had the California salvage certificate. And so I had to get it rebuilt, which required that it work a lot better than it normally would have to, to get a license plate in the great state of Georgia. So I had to, in fact, make the other half of the motor work because when I got it, it would go about 50 miles per hour and probably made 150 horsepower. And so we learned that there was just mud everywhere in the car and some of it had to be dealt with in order to get it to pass and so while we were in there it was stupid not to do the clutch throughout bearing all the things that it inevitably was needing as well but i was i was hoping that i could not have it done for this whole series because it was just the car was the most entertaining thing in the world to drive because i mean it couldn't outrun a crv Literally every time you shut the door, dirt fell from all parts of it. Still, there's so much caked in the front bumper that when I drive more than a few miles, it vibrates up through the seal around the trunk, and it gets all over whatever is in there. So my whole luggage all the time was covered in mud throughout this drive, and I don't know how to disassemble it enough to get in there. But um, the biggest problem we ran into is that you couldn't put gas in the car. Because the way that the secondary EVAP system and the fuel venting works on a Gallardo, it's really, really easy to get them clogged in the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. And so if there's mud, I mean, literally all of the vent lines were solid mud. And so fortunately, uh, Freddie and Jared were able to help me out. And uh, we were able to get the, the right line out that was totally impacted and get that free. So now it takes gas. But prior to that, you could only put in two-tenths of a gallon without the pump clicking off. And so it took half an hour to put a tank of gas in it. Wow. And the fuel gauge doesn't work. So you couldn't tell if it was when you were running out, which became less. Awesome. So I can't ask you who the biggest winner is in this without uh, revealing how things end. Uh, Who was the biggest cheat? Uh, Freddie was definitely the biggest cheater, uh, but that was kind of to be expected. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll happily concede that if you, even if you've watched through episode four, and certainly if you watch through 
episode yeah. five. I am the biggest loser of all of this. This car <laughs> was very much a Hail Mary attempt. So much, in fact, that it wasn't actually roadworthy at all until just after noon on the day that I needed to depart for yes. uh, South Florida. So the night before, I was so worried about it that I actually bought a backup Lamborghini. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. I, I was like, if it does, I can't not make it. And if this car doesn't work, I'm going to have to go pay stupid super retail for something this weekend. And a car got offered to me. It was a 2010 LP 560. So the newer generation of the Gallardo, but with the paddle shift transmission e gear, oh. but it had 104,000 miles on it. And I was like, I don't know how you don't buy a hundred thousand mile Lamborghini. It's certainly you can't if you're me. So who's put a hundred thousand miles on a Gallardo? What's that? Who has put a hundred thousand miles on a Gallardo? So a guy in San Francisco started the habit of putting thirty thousand miles a year on it three years ago, and sometimes <laughs> changed the oil, and oh sometimes took the advice of the mechanics, and so uh, it. It, it was a nice car until three years ago, and then he drove it 190,000 miles and got it repossessed, and it sold through an Odessa auction, and these guys who had no idea what they were doing in Birmingham bought it, and it was just right mm. car, right time, and I, I I was risking so much and not knowing if this if the blue wrapped car was going to be ready, the Stick 06, that I was like, it's just... It, it's almost stupid not to buy this hundred thousand miles. <laughs> Do you think any of We've you will keep your car, keep the cars now that the series is wrapped up? So the the penalty for losing, which I did, uh, was that we had to list our cars for sale on Auto Tempest or on a site that Auto Tempest aggregates from. Uh, the instructions were not necessarily that we had to sell them. And so I, there is currently a live listing for my car on Craigslist so that we can edit it into the ending sequence. That is probably the uh, least appealing Craigslist listing for a Lamborghini <laughs> that's ever been done. So that was very much on purpose. But nice. fortunately, yesterday I sold the backup Lamborghini. Uh, to a, It's going to Houston. A guy very excited to continue to rack up the miles on it. And uh, <laughs> I, I had to spend a lot of money getting it potentially roadworthy that last day so it's got new brakes tires you know fluids things like that but it's a absolute rat it is it i mean <laughs> as one could be uh i've spoken to several of my car friends who are following the series and there's a prevailing thought that this is what the american version of top gear or the grand tour should have looked like and everybody thinks that you the three of you did a, a an absolute knockout job with this. You hit it out of the park. So I just wanted to extend to you the compliment. Sure. Well done on the series. Uh, even though we haven't seen the end of it, it, it just looks fantastic. Well, it could not have been any more fun. I mean, obviously, everything I get to do around cars tends to be an absolute blast. But holy cow, this was as much fun as I've ever had. Certainly doing anything that could be called work. And uh, in a car, it was just, uh, I love road trips. I love the idea of putting a car in a circumstance that nobody ever wanted it to be. And, and that's, that's what this has been. And so I just, it was so much fun. And I, to hear things like that, because the biggest fear when you experiment with a content strategy like that is that the comments are all just going to be, these idiots are out trying to play Top Gear and they're not pulling it off. And I'm not saying that we did, but to hear people say that this is what they would have liked to see as a continuation of the show that we all grew up absolutely loving, it, it couldn't have been any better. And I'm, I'm super happy with it. Uh, and I, I just want to say also, 
uh, the gated shifter on the Lambo, Lambo is just, you don't see them. So it's very awesome. And I just want to give you a props on top of all this. You did some mighty fine shifting on that, on that drag strip. You should, <laughs> I mean, you clicked them in real well, real fast. So uh, props to you on that as well. I, I'm pleased not to have broken it. Uh, the car, the car was very, very good. Uh, if you hadn't seen episode four, we learned that uh, I, it was probably not in its best condition that day. Uh, when when we got up the next morning, the car was screaming in agony with a four wheel drive error and this merciless yes. beat. And w- when we got it, we changed the engine oil, obviously, and filters and everything else, but uh, we didn't flush the front diff. And uh, there's a hole there that uh, would let the overflow come out. And if there's water higher than that, that's where it goes in. And so for the whole track oh, no. day, drag strip and road course, front diff was full of water. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> but fluid change, it, it actually it came back to life pretty well. So it hadn't screamed at me for that since. Good. Very yeah. cool. So uh, as much as I hate to bring this up, the coronavirus has certainly changed life for everyone and in ways that none of us could have predicted what do you think the future will be for the collector car market? Uh, do you think that there will be a pent-up demand once life starts to get back to normal? And do you think there will be a chance to find bargain Lamborghinis with non-branded titles? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be fascinating to see. I mean, you know, most of us can remember what happened in 2008 and nine and the desperation that was just pervasive throughout the collector car hobby. But at the same time, I think there's been enough people who have accumulated enough of like the true blue chip, like legitimately rare cars that I think those are safe. I think a lot of the cars that are not terribly rare may not be. So a lot of these Porsches that they built thousands of, you know, 4,000 plus Ford GTs to say that these cars are like super collectible is tough. They're desirable. They're useful. They're great. But I think a lot of the inflation that we've seen in the prices there due to the health of the marketplace, I think that's probably what we're going to start to see dry up. So there definitely are going to be some great deals to be had, but maybe not deals in terms of managing your long-term ownership cost. They may be cheaper, but that doesn't mean they're going to stay at the value that they're at. They may start to abide by a more traditional depreciation curve. And what I've always tried to look for is cars that Maybe I'm exposing myself to some risk of heavy maintenance costs, but I'm not going to experience depreciation while it's sitting in my garage. And that's what, I, obviously my intent is to drive them as much as I possibly can, but at the same time, I just can't stomach the idea that I've bought an expensive car and if I needed to sell it, all the money's not going to be there when I go back looking for it. What is in your collection right now? <laughs> so... At the moment, we got a 2010 100,000-mile LP560 that's on the way out. I do still have the uh, flood title, now rebuilt title, Lamborghini Gallardo Spider with a stick. I've got my manual transmission 2007 LP640 Murcielago that is my favorite car. I've got a 2009 Ferrari 430 Scuderia, which apart from their you know Ooh. Halo hypercars, that's probably my favorite car that Ferrari did. It was kind of the last one that you know you could still feel everything new is overly technological and less build quality and so i love that car i've got the cl55 that we set the cannonball record in i've got the uh salvage title two accident airbag deployed 12 owner s55 uh amg (laughs) that i bought and won the 2904 which is like a cheap car cannonball continuation event Mm -hmm. um 
I bought another one of those two weeks ago. Only uh, transaction I've ever done in person that didn't involve a handshake uh, in coronavirus land. But uh, <laughs> I bought another O2S55 because me and a bunch of friends are going to have a road trip to coastal Alaska if we're allowed to travel in the 4th of July area. And oh, there is cool. a tradition where on the 4th of July, they fill cars with fireworks and they shoot them off. Yes. I've seen a video of that. It's uh, hilarious <laughs> is what it is. And it's amazing because yes. the cars and are so running, right? A, and they jang. And, and yeah, jang. yeah. You get out. You can't have stick cars. They have to be automatic and they have like tracks and they jam them into gear. And I, I don't know how it works, but they shoot a long way. It's not like, you know, normally if you try to jump a car, it goes way less high than you intended it to. In this case, yeah. it seems to live up to the hype. It's like Arkansas, but with bigger bears. That's awesome. That's it. That's nice. <laughs> Very much so, so. so. Yeah, I've got that. I've got uh, one of the 12 Brock Yates One Lap of America Cannonball Edition 1985 Audi 4000S Quattros. Um, it, one of only two that seemed to exist. I knew. I know the guy that owned the other one. Unfortunately, he passed away a few months ago, and his wife called me and asked if I wanted it. And it's like like a hole in the head, but sure. Uh, so I, I'm, I'll probably <laughs> Probably have that one headed this way, but what else? My wife's got a GL63, so I, th- I think we have like nine or ten cars right now. None of them are nice. <laughs> uh, what would you like to own that you haven't? I want a Bugatti. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that uh, it's. I need car goals, and <laughs> when I bought the first manual LP640, and when I say bought, I mean I knew a bank that let me say that as long as their name stayed on the bottom of the title as well. But I, when I got that car, it was always the dream car that I had wanted for so long. And there was this catharsis to it, but there was also this like, what next feeling? And I have never, I, up to that point, been at a point where I didn't have a car that I was like desperately trying to do whatever I could to get a huge loan and try to buy it. And the, fortunately, I've traded through a few of those now and I ended up flipping them and doing well and stuff like that. But I've got one of those that I want to keep, but I, I want a Veyron or a Chiron at some point. And it's just because it's such a stupid goal. And they are awesome. They, they drive. Yes. Yes, they are. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Congratulations on the success of VinWiki on Car Trek. Congratulations on the new little girl. Uh, best to you, your wife, and your family. Uh, we've been speaking to Ed Bullion, founder of VinWiki, and we've been talking to him about his uh, new series, Car Track, that's on YouTube, and uh, some of the predictions for the collector car market. You can find all of Ed's social media links on readthedriven.com. Thanks so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at DrivenRadioShow and everywhere you find podcasts. I'm Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt, Catfish Groves. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Driven Radio.